right, it's time for us to talk about self-advocacy, students participating in their IEP meeting, and what truly is the role of the entire IEP in this process. Welcome to the Special Education Inner Circle podcast. Today, I've brought back Janice. We just couldn't stop talking last time. We said we needed a part two. So uh, Janice, thank you for being here today. My pleasure. I'm excited. You always take me down great new uh, thoughts. Yeah. Yes, yes. So let's do this. So let, let's just in case people didn't hear part one, let's just uh, introduce yourself again. Let us know who you are at the IEP table, a little bit about you professionally, and then we'll jump right into this conversation that I know is so important for you. Yeah, great. Well, thank you. Um, yes, uh, let's see. What do I start with first? Definitely, I'm a mother of two uh, adult children, my son, Micah, uh, who is a disability activist, was featured in the film Intelligent Lives and lives 550 miles away from us in Syracuse, New York. And our daughter, Emma, is a principal in Boston um, Elementary School committed to full inclusion. I also happen to um, have a couple of books available, which I'm excited to share. Social worker, longtime social worker, activist, human being, and a, 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 you know, and a wannabe poet one day when I grow up. How's that? I love it. I love it. You know what I love? I love that just on a side note, like when I grew up, like we all have goals and then we have a special education parents and teachers listening to this. And they're like, oh, I wish I could have done this. You still can. There are things that you can do. Like there's no timeline on these things. So just a side note of encouragement there for everyone. All right. Let me go with that side note for a quick second though, because goals and objectives are important. Absolutely. They're the next steps. But really what fuels us is the dreams. And so an important part of, the, of any kind of planning process or life in general is being able to dream um, and to think about what seems impossible. So I just wanted to put that in there as well. well I actually think this is, a, this is a great beginning to our conversation. So, so let's talk about this. So there's this dream. And I think a lot of times we feel like our dreams are squashed in special education. And it's like only certain things are possible or this child will never do this. Like they're, they're squashed. And I think that's what hurts so bad, especially as, as a parent or, you know, for me, I'm especially a sibling, you know, hearing that word can't and won't and doesn't is so hard. And so when we talk about things like self-advocacy or, you know, what's really the role of this IEP team in designing this appropriate education to prepare a child for further education, employment, independent living, you know, it's not to squash their dreams and it's not to exclude the child from the conversation. It's much more than that. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, through the work of a lot of people who mentored us, we really realized that Micah should be part of the planning process. Um, maybe. Um, and so when he was in fifth grade, he was um, included in that those those gatherings. I, I actually hate to use the word meeting because it seems so formal. You know, it, it should be a gathering. And it's not to say it's always easy and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I think that more young people are involved in their IEPs. But in the beginning, Micah came for the first part of the meeting and he would share just a couple of things that he worked with with his teacher. He would talk about something he really liked doing this year in school and something else he wanted to do. So there was some preparation even before that. And then he would listen to every person share some moment that really um, spoke to his gifts or his ability or his energy. 
and not denying that there are gaps or issues, but just acknowledging that. So he, you know, could sit up straight and really hear what people are saying. He wouldn't stay for the entire meeting, as he said, because it's too boring. But he would, he began to see that this was a part of who he was. And then in sixth grade, we actually involved, uh, he, with his permission and involvement, a couple of his peers. And the peers would come together before the meeting with the teacher to help plan and really make it even a little bit more uh, uh, formal, let's say. So they would talk about with Micah some of the things that he was doing that he didn't do before, some of the things that he was beginning to do, some of the things that they he could do, um, and uh, then they they made this the, they made a PowerPoint, and then he and and the young folks, usually two or three, would come in and share that. And everybody at first was a little uneasy, like you know this isn't typical. What do we? What, can we really be honest? But what it really challenged everybody to do was to know how to talk, speak in words that matter, that were kind, that were honest. And the kids then got also began to see that they're part of a community that can support each other as well. And one of the kids said, I need one of these in my class too, for me. So that idea of planning with purpose in community really was embedded. Now, believe me, we didn't know we had all those fancy ideas. We just sort of, you know, took off with some of the ideas that other people ha had as well. So, yeah, and I had worked with teenagers for a good 12 years as a social worker, and I really realized that they have so much knowledge. They know things that we don't know as adults because we're not really in their world. So, yeah. That's about I, I think I, I think everybody just was like, "Well, wait, we can do what?" Like like that's something that is beyond what people think about doing is not only just including the child. A lot of times that's where where we're stuck, where we're like, "We need to include the child. How are we going to include the child?" But now you just like threw everybody like upside down and said, "And include the peers." And that's an amazing um, accomplishment to really make this a community effort because that's why we talk about things like inclusion. And I just want to remind everybody when we're talking about inclusion, if your child or your students are in a self-contained classroom, there's still inclusive opportunities. Even if you're in a private therapeutic day school, there's a community at that day school and there's a community that surrounds that school. There's so many different opportunities. We completely understand that Everybody has unique needs, but there's definitely a way to integrate these strategies into this process. And you said this should be an opportunity for community. And I had never heard it exactly put that way. And I was like, yes, yes, please just tell me more. <laughs> yes, right. And what that requires is, and maybe we talked about this last time, I'm not sure, the importance of intentionally reaching out to others and inviting them in. And that isn't easy for us sort of Western thinkers, right? We're supposed to do it, you know, um, you know, do it individually on our own, you know, uh, pulling up our own bootstraps. But what I may have already said to you is one of my favorite quotes is right here on my computer that says to hell with bootstraps, right? That, um, you know, uh, so that, that willingness to get out of our comfort zone a little bit and say, hey, do you want to be part of this? Do you want to be, yeah. help me think this through together? Maybe it doesn't mean that you do everything, but just engage with me. And I'll, I'll share with you a beautiful story that really captures 
how having young people in the planning process, and some of this could be videotaped, you know, ahead of time and played, there's lots of different ways. But anyways, in one of the meetings, gatherings, um, one, um, there was a discussion about how Micah had, was not really paying attention and was distracting other kids in the class. And he was there at that gathering talking about it, listening to other kids, you know, maybe, maybe not listening totally, but being present, right? And so they were brainstorming, what could they do differently? And this teacher sometimes is a little bit boring, but everybody loves them and on and on. And we were sort of stuck. And then one of the kids said, you know what the issue is that Micah doesn't know how to fake paying attention. Now the adults would not have come <laughs> up with that, right? They would not have. And you know, people giggled and, <laughs> So, so the kids said, they didn't put this in the IEP, Michael will learn how to fake paying attention. And he, and he did, you know, maybe not every time, but they said, hey, Michael, look at the teacher, nod your head, and just keep looking ahead. And I'll tell you, he's perfected that, especially with me when I'm talking as well. So, you know, a, 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 you know, a sort of a, a, a fun story, but one that is so, um, it, there's so many lessons in that, right? The yes, there's so many lessons in that. Like, it's so true. Like, when we talk about these real life IEP goals, again, we're not going to make that an IEP goal, but that's the concept. That is the concept magnified of like, we all do these things to make life easier naturally. And, and we don't always have those instincts when we're looking at our students or our children in that way. I love that so much. And by the way, you did not share that quote from your computer um, last time. So, so that's a new one. And you know what? I think this leads beautifully into the concept of being independent versus interdependent. Because a lot of further education, employment, independent living, but independent living isn't like doing life solo, you know, just like we don't want to do the meetings solo. We don't want to make these decisions solo. Can you explain the difference? And I think everybody's like, well, I, I know the basic difference, but you have experience in helping make this work of it's just not about Micah doing life solo. This is about interdependence. Can you give some like real life examples of what that means? Yeah, well, I think it's it's almost like an approach to being a human being. So if your guiding principle is interdependence, then you're going to be thinking about, you know, maybe what you want to accomplish, but you won't think about it in isolation of others. Um, so, for example, when Micah decided that he wanted to move 550 miles away from his mother and father to another state, and of course there was a lot of things that we, together we had to organize and create, support services, living arrangements, work, all of that. But one of the things that he said was totally on his own, if I'm going to live success, that he didn't use successfully, if I'm going to live in Syracuse and be happy, I need to start a circle of friends there. So he knew that he, because of many years of having a circle always evolving, that he needed to connect with other people um, and that other people would guide him and he could contribute to their lives as, as well. And, you know, I, it is in many ways in his bones. He gets that idea of reaching out to other people and feeling not shame in it but just dignity. This is what this is what you do. 
So I think that that ability, and that has sort of rippled to other people as well, including his mother, when Micah needed open heart surgery, um, somewhat unexpectedly and, and um, a big, big event in his life, Micah said to me, mom, you need a circle of friends to guide you through the, that time as well. And so we, I did reach out to a number of women friends and we came together. So I, that's, you know, an example. Um, and it, it works both ways. You know, for parents, I always say that there's two roles that parents have, protector and guide. And protector is that very involved, engaged, you know, keeping harm away where guide is much more about stepping back, not letting go, but not taking charge of it all. And in order for me as a mother to, to move from protector to guide, that circle, that intentional group of people or individuals allow me to step back and not be in his face, so to speak, um, always pushing. So hopefully that gives you a sense of some of this role of interdependence. And, and I always, always, it doesn't come natural. We think, you know, why can't I do it? But it's real to what life is. Yeah. And you know, like you're, you're speaking my language right now. I'm just kind of like leaning in like, yes. So I have a 18 and 19 year old and launching them into the real world. <laughs> I'm like, this is hard. This is like, it's one thing to, to watch. And, and I'm kind of like, remembering what it was like for my children to learn how to walk, to learn how to talk, to learn how to tie their shoes, how things took longer in the beginning, but I couldn't do it for them because I knew they needed to learn. So I, I compared it to like tying shoes. I was like, okay, like there was a time where like, you were like, I'll just tie your shoes so we can get out the door. And then there was a time where you finally had to say, you know what, if it takes us 20 minutes to get out the door because you need to tie your own shoes, we're going to plan for those 20 minutes. And, and that's kind of the the, the launch uh, of, you know, so when we're talking interdependence, I want everybody to hear that, like you might be in a different phase right now, but you're doing this right now of teaching your child to ask other people for help other than you, uh, you know, looking to the peers, as you said, to even participate in helping with that support. I mean, there's just so many layers that are going through my brain right now where I'm just like, yes, it it's, this is all applicable to all ages, to all ability levels, to everybody on the IEP team, to our community that is surrounding us, whether it's in the school or it's just the neighbor or the aunt or the grandmother who's listening to this. It's just, it's so important. Um, I've got a question for you. If you could do something different, looking back for Micah in the IEP process, what might've you changed? Well, I, I don't know that it was possible, but if I had that magic wand, I wish I would have felt um, more, um, more relaxed, less nervous. Um, you know, I practiced deep breathing and all that good stuff. And we, we always had pre-IEP meetings, even though they might just be on the phone. So we always talked with one of the teachers to talk a little bit about what are we exploring, what will happen, you know, how will you support me, that kind of thing. But I think this whole, um, that worry that it just comes with parenting. I mean, it's there in the book, you know, if I could have softened that a little bit. Um, over time, I do appreciate that with the nudging of others that I really made sure that I identified 
the gifts that each of the individuals or the strengths or you know, the, the helpful things that they did to support um, Micah and our family as well. So I think we can, I think being able to say thank you and acknowledge what the, all of these educators do, even though we might not totally agree with everything they do is an important sort of reminder as well. Um, you know, I, I think that if I could have had a glimmer that some of these things that I worried about would work out, some wouldn't, maybe I would have felt a little bit less stress, but I'm not so sure, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> right, I don't know, I don't know, right? But I, I do love that, like, I try to remind people all the time that a, a child's future is not dependent on one meeting or gathering, that this is a constant evolution and work in progress. You're never gonna get it all right. Like, it, it's never gonna be perfect. There's always gonna be changes. So like worrying about getting that, I always say, pick your top three concerns, and if we can, if we can address those efficiently and effectively in the meeting, it's been great. That's great. I know you have 99 concerns. Let's start with three <laughs> where we can go from there. Very, very wise, Catherine. Good um, to look that up. Yeah. So, so I have a question. Does Micah looking back at his school years, like, does he ever talk about that in a way of like, this was terrible or this was awesome, or, you know, I, I wish this wouldn't have happened or that was great that it did happen. Does he have feedback on that? Well, you know, it's interesting in the film intelligent lives um, where he is featured with two other uh, young adults. He says something that we didn't know at the time. He said, I learned how to advocate by watching my parents advocate for me. And what a beautiful gift that was to get, I mean, back to us to know. And so I always tell parents, you know, e even if you're not getting what, you know, you believe is the right thing for your kid, you know, I mean, you still continue to advocate for it, but your child is watching you, how you word things, how you stay connected, how you don't give up, how you practice humility, compromise, whatever, but they're watching you on some level. And that might be the greater achievement, if you will, or the greater lesson as well. So, um, so that one statement told me a lot about how he was observing us as well. I think Mike was fortunate in that, um, he didn't experience a lot of teasing, um, at least that we were, are, are aware of. Um, overall, he you know, felt pretty um, positive about his experience as well. So I think we're fortunate, privileged in many ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, I interviewed my brother who I mentioned, he's 44 with Down syndrome. I interviewed him here on the podcast and I asked him about school. I'm like, what are your favorite things? And he was like playing basketball like his sports things at school. Like it, it's very typical. Like what you're describing about Micah, like that's that's typical. And he had something a little bit different because you had to advocate and, and work towards making things more um, typical in the experience, um, but it was typical. And then, you know, when I said, do you remember anything about your classes? Like, what did you learn? And he says, I learned touch math. And I said, well, did you like it? And he says, eh, sometimes you like, not really. See, it, it's all, it's, all a human experience when you go to school, there's likes, there's dislikes, there's things you remember, there's things you wish were different. And I hope that everybody who's listening here, again, perfection, you, you haven't heard us talk about perfection in any way. Like this is how you build the perfect IEP or this is how you build the perfect goal or this is how you have the perfect experience. I, I think we need to let go of some of this, like I have to get it just right. 
Yeah, it's so true. Um, and I think we have to hear that over and over again, Kathy, and that's why it's so important for you to say it and lift that up. I think, too, the other challenge for, for families is that we honor the way our child might be in the world. And when you talked about tying shoes, and I, I love the story of, you know, it takes a while to have that happen. At the same time, often fam, uh, parents have to, or caregivers have to shift and say, well, maybe our kid won't tie their shoe. Maybe there will be Velcro and not see it as a defeat, but as just a different way of being. You know, as one wise person said, just an ingenious way of living. And so that I think is something that we as family members, siblings grow into, because there is this, and, and the example that I wanted to share was that um, to many people's surprise, Micah does not read or write. He's very communicative, he does speak, and he uses technology. Now everybody uses technology. But back then that was unusual. And part of our reasoning, and we can, you know, we did, we brought in all the experts that we could think of and everybody tried, but to have created that ability of him to read, he has lots of sight words, but to read word by word by word, page by page by page would have taken so much work. Um, and it would have, in a, in a sense, I'll say, destroyed his ability to be in the world in other kinds of ways. So that's a lesson that we learned over time and an example of that. Um, you know, and as one mother said, well, he didn't read or write, but President Obama put him on the presidential committee for people with disabilities, you know? So I invite parents to consider that. What's your child's way and how do you build on that strength? Oh my gosh. It's like, I want, I want to just jump up and like celebrate and dance and he, to hear you say that. Cause I say that all the time. I, I say it in a, in a way of that's much more concrete in the, it, it, when we're, cause we're talking about like IEP goals, right? Like it, almost in a boring way. Like, I love how you put it into life. You were like, this is life after school. And there are things that you have to prioritize when they're in school. And there's things that don't really matter. And that's not saying reading and writing don't matter. But for Micah, that would have been the wrong focus because year after year after year, you would have been working on that same 100 or 150 sight words. And he would have lost some of that uh, time to work on other things that only school could provide. You can, you can learn sight words later in life too. It, you know, we don't have to be stuck doing the same goals over and over and over and stealing opportunities. And that's what, that's what I feel like it's stealing the opportunity to think differently, to work differently and to achieve maybe some different things that, um, are completely unexpected in a beautiful way. Yes, and, and the core really is one of self-regarded confidence. So if I'm always pushing someone to do something that they're not going to do well, I mean, if someone tried to get me to, I don't know, you know, paint, you know, um, you know a, a beautiful portrait, and that's all they geared me to, I, my confidence would drop and drop and drop. So maybe my way is to do abstract where I can just scribble and run and run with the pen, right? And so it's, it's to use the phrases of other people, it's the ability to strengthen the competence, sense of competence and confidence. 
I want you guys to soak that in um, because a lot of you are trying so hard to catch up for all the time that was lost in the system or get back to the way that things used to be. And like, it's like, I just want to, like, if I could give you permission, if I could write a permission slip to everyone, like, forget about it. Like, it's time to just figure out this is where we're at. Where do we want to go? And how are we going to get there? Yeah. Yes. And to, and to really you know, enjoy the relationship that you have with the child, um, you know, as a parent, you know, if you only have 15 minutes of giggling, and maybe the rest of the, the evening is one of storming and, you know, chaos and everything, but cherish those few minutes, because you're feeding the relationship, you know, and I think on my good days, I, I recognize that I was a work out of the house. Uh, I mean, I worked outside of the home as well as inside the home. And we were a busy family, but uh, you know, I, in those moments when I just said, let's just have fun, um, that or or just be quiet or re whatever it might be, that to me is, that's the ingredients to, you know, a, a, a life that has some meaning and significance. You know, it just kind of reminds me of how in our in our field so much like so we're talking about this interdependence we're talking about building you know these things for the future we talk about how to participate and self-advocate do all of those things and then there's this big huge kind of i'm going to call it a dark cloud that that family's field of like who's going to take care of my child later and a lot of times that steals so much of those moments that you just talked about so that somehow as families we have to find that balance between what's going to happen in the future and wow it's not all, you know, sunshine, unicorns and rainbows right now, but we've got some really great moments that I didn't make sure I can be present for. Yes, right, right. And I think we have to acknowledge those fears that were that deep, deep worry. We have to find places that we can talk about it so it is validated and we can't stay stuck there as well. And that's why community can be important as well. People who remind us, you know, Go, go on that swing or that trampoline or dig in the dirt or whatever, you know, it's, it's, it's a dance and we can either wrestle with what we have. And certainly I do that at times, or we can dance um, with it and find the right music as well. I know, I know that sounds a little uh, uh, fishy a bit, but you know, <laughs> take it from a, an older mother in her seventies with an older kid, you know, you sort of look back and you see see what's important as well. So, you know, take more slow, deep breaths. Um, yes. Yeah. And, you know, I, I love how this kind of whole conversation came from. This is where he was at in school. And this is how we built community in school. Now he's in the community. You as a parent need community. But all of these things are possible. And I just want to remind everyone that, you know, a lot of times we feel like the system is so broken and the law isn't enough and the funding isn't there. But everything that we just talked about is about human behavior, human connections, and all of it is possible under the current circumstances, no matter if you have a full, fully funded special education department or, you know, your virtual uh, schooling or you're this, everything that we just talked about is possible, maybe in different ways, maybe not exactly the way that we talked about it. But again, we, we, we talked about dreams and a lot of times how we feel like our circumstances or other people are squashing those dreams. And that's, that's simply not necessary. You have to hold on to those and, and they need to evolve and they need to shift, but don't give them up and, and don't believe that um, other people or a broken system can take away what is possible. Right. And yes. And 
you know, systems can only do so much. And if we rely on them, if we rely on the school only or the systems, um, you know, we'll all lose. And that's why I think our family has been committed to reaching out, to being with others, to supporting people, um, you know, to, to, to be a part of this. And not everybody will stay for the same length of time. Not everybody will do the same thing, but creative things will happen. You know, I just saw today, there is a, um, a professor who once a week or every two weeks does a six minute journal with Micah on Zoom. And it's wonderful. I highly encourage people to either check out Micah's Facebook or look up six minute journal. And over Zoom, she divides the paper in four um, sections and then records, Micah, what did you see uh, yesterday or today? What did you hear? Um, what did you, something else? And then draw a picture of one moment. And that's an interaction. And then they put it on the website and it, it or on their Facebook page and it engages people as well. So who would know? I mean, who would know those things unless we say, hey, we need we need somebody else to be involved here as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to encourage everybody to we'll have all the links um, so you guys can connect with Micah and see what his uh, just we're talking about the journaling and you mentioned some other things that he have, has achieved. So we'll make sure we have all the links for those things so people can figure that out. And then um, links for Janice and her books and, and all of that will be there. Remember, wherever you're watching, leaving a comment, sharing this. If you're on Apple Podcasts, make sure you leave a five star review every time you interact with with this podcast or leave feedback, it helps more parents and teachers find this information. And that's what we need is more people to be forward thinking about all of these possibilities. So please take time to leave that interaction. It means so much. And uh, Janice, thank you for being here today. Catherine, can I share one last yes. story? Yes, and please do. I'm going to also lift up the fact that you are doing exactly what we're talking about. You're reaching out to your community and you're saying, you know, help, support. All right, so one of my most powerful stories about this uh, came when um, Micah was flying uh, by himself, which he doesn't really like to do. Now, this was all before the pandemic, right? And um, I was waiting for him um, in the baggage claim. And we overheard that the, the plane was experiencing some pretty significant issues, tr strong turbulence. So I knew that when I saw him, he would be troubled to say the least, right? And indeed, when he came down the steps and I saw him, I could see that he was in, you know, in, 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 in distress. And we hugged and then I said, so, you know, Micah, you know, what was it like? How did you get through it? And listen to what he said. Well, I knew I was scared. So I turned to the person next to me and I told her I was scared and I asked her if she could hold my hand. And I thought, that's the world I want to live in. The ability to be able to ask for help is an, and is an enormous skill and to know how to ask. So with that, I leave you and the audience. I hope to hear from some of you. Check out my books, as they say. Catherine, thanks so much for the work you're doing. You are a change maker, and we're grateful for that. Oh, Janice, I appreciate that so much. Everyone, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.